And so the Internet's a wonderful thing. You can use it for the glory of God. You can use it for social media. You can use it for sin. But last night I was looking throughout the Internet and I was trying to find exactly what books are in the school system in Tennessee. And so this morning, this is the website where I found it from. In high school, there's a, a book called The Earth Science. And, I, and maybe some of you have used this book. And I was studying through this PDF and, and seeing exactly what they were teaching through this book. And then I came across this quote, Recognize that science is a progressive endeavor that reevaluates and extends what is already accepted. Science is a progressive endeavor. To me, that is, <clears throat> and, and I could be wrong. Is there any science teachers in the room, in the audience this morning? Ooh. <laughs> if I'm wrong, you can correct me. I, I, uh, but to me, this is setting up the platform to teach children the, the theory of evolution. Science is testable. You can reproduce what scientists do. They, they, they do this in an order in which they can reproduce it either in 2017 or 2030. It's, it's a fact, actually. And then I went on and read it even further down. It says, trace the historical development of a scientific principle or the theory of evolution. Evolution is being taught to our children and our kids in high school. I, studied, I was going to try to find some through the elementary grade, but I did not run across any. So it might be in high school is when they began to teach evolution. Which brings me to our point this morning, Genesis 1, 24 through 20, and I appreciate the brother that just read that. Now, I'm not going to take the time to reread it, but if you'll notice in verse 25, the last phrase, God saw it was good. God created everything and saw that it was good. Verse 25, and God said, let us... Make man in our image and after our likeness, and let him have the dominion over the fish, over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over everything that creepeth upon the earth. Have you ever took time to notice it said, let us? Let's go to John, uh, John chapter 1, if you will. We'll begin in verse 1. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So who, who is the Word? It's Christ. Verse 2. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3. All things were made by Him, and without Him nothing, not anything was made that was made by Him. In Him life, in Him was life, and the life was life of men. So since the beginning... Christ has been with God. Now let's go to Ephesians, if you will, chapter 3. Ephesians 3 and verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. So when we go back to Genesis and we see, let us make man in our image, God and Christ were side by side. In the beginning, Genesis 1, 1, 
says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Again, God is creating everything. Day one, he says, he spoke, let there be light, and there was light. Day two, he spoke, and he created the atmosphere, the sky. Day three, he spoke, dry land appeared. And day four, he spoke the sun, the moon, and the stars. Day five, he spoke and waters filled with animals and birds in the sky. Day six, he spoke and animals walked the earth. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Have you ever thought about how God created man? I'm a simple-minded man, and I think of God kneeling down and playing with mud and forming man in mud. Now, I could be wrong, but I visualize him creating him out of mud and dirt. And when he found man was perfect, he breathed life into him. Everything else up to this point and throughout the Bible, God created merely by speaking. But when God created man, he did not just speak. He spoke and formed. And then Genesis 1.31. God saw everything that He had made and beheld it was very good. Have you ever had this thought that you're not good enough? Growing up in high school, I've always been, as, as my parents called me, tubby. I've always been a big guy. And when we played sports in recess, I was usually the last guy picked because I'm slow. And so the thought crept into my mind that I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. That's on a very minor level. Some people think these thoughts and act upon these thoughts, which can lead to depression and suicide. And this is running rampant through our brotherhood. There are a lot of people facing serious battles, and they walk through these doors with a smile on their face, and you never know. Robin Williams has a quote where he says, It's easy to put on a smile but you don't know what's inside. It's hard living in today's society without facing these types of situations and these thoughts. But evolutionists will teach our children as, as in the Tennessee book of, in high school that we are just dirt, that we are millions of years old, that we, we evolved from apes and became man. I remember in high school studying this same material. They tell us that life was just an accident. They tell us that by one and one billionth chance, all the things came together in this perfect situation and, and there was man. They tell us that we have no higher purpose, that we have no real value besides a scientific curiosity. That's not true. The Bible tells us that we are formed from dirt. Evolution may see us as one step above apes, but Scripture sees us as one step beneath angels. You could go to Hebrews 2.7 and Psalm 8.5 and see where it says, Thou art made lower, just one, just, lower than angels. You and I are, are, are not like any other creation God made. We are not apes. We are a special creation. Nothing that God created took the magnitude and the time as a human did. He merely spoke everything else into existence. He had to take time to form man.
Now, why is this important? This is important because you and I and everybody in this world is extremely valuable. The word intrinsic means a high value. We, we are intrinsic, if you will. If you will, let's go to Luke chapter 5, or 15, excuse me. Luke 15, and we'll read verses 4 and 5. What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, do not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Now let us apply that to us today. It looks like there's a thousand of you out here to me in my eyes. <coughs> but I would, I would, I just guessing, I would say 400 or so. And look, I'm not a mathematician, so if I'm wrong, you can chastise me afterwards. But let's say, out of a hundred of us, one of us goes missing. So there's 400, so that's four people go missing in this congregation. Would you stop and take the time and go look for them and invite them back to services? That's the job of Christians especially the job of the elders that lead the flock. You can go to Psalm 23 and read of the Good Shepherd. We have to think that we are worth something or else we're going to live our life in a way that we think we're worth nothing. Norman Vincent Peale was a, a minister of some sort. I don't know if a member of the church or not, but he went around preaching and teaching about thinking positive. He was in Hong Kong one time and he walks across a tattoo shop, or walks beside a tattoo shop, and looks in the window and notices that there's an image of somebody getting a tattoo that said, Born to Lose. This blew his mind, if you will. He walks in this tattoo shop and asks this Chinese gentleman, people actually get this tattoo on their body? And he said, sometimes yes. He's sitting here contemplating, why would anybody do this? And in broken English, this man simply taps on his forehead. He said, before tattoo on body, it's in their mind. How true is that? We think, what we think will shape who we are. If we think we're negative and, and we have no value in life, we're going to live our life in such a way. But if we're a positive thinker and always thinking that I'm here for a reason and I need to fulfill that reason then we will live a healthy life. I'm not saying that there will be trials. No, there will be. Some statistics, again, using the Internet, like the State Farm commercial, you can trust everything that's on the Internet. 20% of our teens will face depression before graduating high school. 20%. Of that 20%, 75% of them will inflict pain on themselves because they think they're not of any value. That's cutting. That's attempting suicide. That's trying to hang themselves. And I'm not trying to paint a, a, dark, a dark picture, but we need to know the facts. And there are a number of teens amongst us, and I would venture to say that somebody in this room this morning is dealing with these very issues. That's why when every person walks through these doors, we need to greet them with a hug and a smile. We need to pray for everyone. We need to encourage everyone on a daily basis. 
Proverbs seventeen twenty two. A merry heart, a merry heart does doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth up the bones. Romans twelve two. Be ye conform, be ye not conformed to this world, be ye transformed. Transformed how by the renewing of your mind. It all begins with our mind and thinking positive. And how can we think positive? Because we have to know that we're worth something. My wife was gracious enough to give me this $20 bill. So if you take it from me, you've got to deal with her. <clears throat> and if you have a stack of $20 bills like that, I'll gladly take them. Would, who in this room would not want this $20 bill? Raise your hand. Nobody. Everybody in this room would take this $20 bill from me. But what if I crumble it up? Is there anybody that does not want this $20 bill? What if I accidentally rip it in half? Would you still not want this $20 bill? No, because you could simply take tape and put it back together. What gives the authority to say that this $20 bill is worth $20? It's not the ink. It's not the paper. It's not the image. Someone had the authority that printed this $20 bill to say it is worth $20. Brothers and sisters, we were created by God who has the authority to tell us that we are worth something. You have been made and created in the image of God. No matter what has happened in your life, no matter what you have done, no matter the decisions you have made up to this point, in any time in your life, you are still valuable to God. You are created in the image of God and He loves you. Has anyone ever said that they are too small in the Lord's kingdom? They cannot do these things. There's no point in being a Christian. Has anyone ever seen the movie Rudy? It's the old, it's the older movie about this little man playing football for Notre Dame. Everyone told him he would never make that, never make the team because of his size and his statue. But he decided in his mind he would. And therefore, he made the team. And he played and, and tackled. And, and he played. And he did. He, he did exactly what he set out to do because he had the mindset. You were created in the image of God and he loves you. So how much are you worth? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now I'm a father. I have Jacob and one on the way, a little girl on the way. And I love you, but I could not give my son for you. Have you ever thought of this, how <clears throat> big of a decision this would be on our behalf if we had to give our son for people we do not even know and people we'll never even see? Not only were you created in the image of God, you were bought with a price. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, if you will. Chapter 6. Verse 20, for ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. We belong to God, therefore we should get everything we should, everything we do should reflect God. Now let's go to chapter 7, verse 23 of 1 Corinthians. Ye are bought with a price, be not servants of men. 
We are valuable because we are made and created by God. And since we were created by God, we have a great responsibility as Christians and as humans. Going back to evolution, they think that there is no God and they teach that there is no God. They say that we're just an accident collection of matter. That you are who you are. You cannot help it. You were born this way. You cannot change. Evolutionists will tell you that you are just formed by some goo and not by God. And society will push this on us as long as, as well as teachers in the school that have to teach this material. But the Bible says this is not true. Leviticus 19.2 Be holy for the Lord your God am holy. God is holy. Luke 6.36 Be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. Then Matthew 5.48 Be perfect therefore as your Father is perfect in heaven. These verses indicate that we, can, we choose, we have a free will choice to either be good or to be bad. Studying the scriptures will teach you that we need to be good. The Bible teaches us that we cannot earn our way to heaven, that we cannot get to heaven by merits, that we cannot get to heaven just by being holy, if you will. And some might say, well, if holiness does not get me to heaven, then why even be holy? Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This morning, are you letting your light shine? Are you glorifying God which is in heaven? Everything we do should reflect back to God in a positive manner. Romans 15, verse 6 that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you may know who this is. This is Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz was in Chicago, which is a dangerous city for the most part, at 10 o'clock at night trying to check into a hotel that he had reservations for. He walks up to the desk and he's banging on the desk trying to get somebody to come out and to check him in. And a, and a gentleman comes out and says, Sir, I'm sorry, we're full. Lou Holtz said, no, I, ha I have the reservation where I've already paid for the room. And the gentleman said, you don't understand. I have the keys and this place is full. You're not getting a room. Lou Holtz walked out thinking two thoughts. Where will I get a room in Chicago at 10 o'clock at night? And any person I come into contact with will hear about this hotel. You see, that night that clerk did not realize that he was representing that hotel chain. And what he did and did not do reflected back on that hotel chain. The owners of this hotel chain did nothing wrong to Lou Holtz, but this hotel clerk did. You see, as representative of the image of God, everything we do reflects back to God. When we treat somebody any other way than how Christ treated people on earth, that reflects back on God in a negative way. If we live our life in a way that we dedicate ourselves to being God's servants, representing His image in a way that glorifies Him, we can change the lives of others. Just like the song we sang just a few moments ago, All of Self and None of Thee. How many of us could say that that's true, that we only care about ourselves, or we only care about ourselves and not of Thee? The, this... The song goes on to where it eventually says, None of self and all of thee. How many of us can honestly say that we are none of self and all of thee? 
You see, that's why we offer the invitation every time we come together. Because living in the world is a hard, it's a hard task. My question this morning to you is, are you reflecting the image of God correctly? How does God recognize us? Does He recognize you? Just a few moments earlier, as I was walking back to the back, one of the sisters said, He looks just like His Father. And if you've seen my son, He does look a lot like me. He looks like me. He walks like me. He talks like me. And He acts like me. Why? Because I'm His Father. I'm the example that He sees on a daily basis. Now likewise, spiritually speaking, are you walking like God? Are you acting like God would act? Are you talking like Christ talked while on earth? When people look at you, do they see Christ living in you? You see, Christ came to earth to seek and to save the lost, Luke 19.10. Our responsibility is, is the same thing, to seek and save the lost. Before we close, we've talked about examples, we've talked about Biblical examples, and let's look at another one in Acts chapter 9, if you will. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 8. Talking about the Ethiopian and and the eunuch. Acts 8 and verse 30. And Philip ran ran thither to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah... And said, understand thou what thou readest. The eunuch said, how can I accept some, some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he could come up and sit with him in the chariot. Verse 32. The place of scripture which he was reading, he was led as a sheep to slaughter. And like the lamb, dumb before his shearer, so opened not his mouth. Isaiah 53 is what we're reading. In the humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this. Verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Our job as Christians is to take people where they are and lead them to salvation. That's our job. Take them from living in a world of sin to a world of righteousness. You see, the eunuch heard the word of God as we're commanded to in Romans 10, 17. He believed it. Acts 8, 37. He repented of his sins in Luke 13, 3. He confessed before men that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Romans 10, 9 and 10. And then he was baptized. He went into the water. Maybe you're here this evening or this morning and you're not a New Testament Christian. That's the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. And I pray that you will make that decision. Study the Word of God. Make sure that you are ready for that decision. Maybe you're here this morning and you have not been the proper example to those in the world that you need to be. I can say I've been there right with you and I still strive to be the best example and I still fail. These front pews, when we come forward and repent, should not be a place of sadness but a place of gladness. These front pews should be wore out Because we're striving to live for Christ and do what we are commanded to do. If you're in any need this morning, we ask that you come as we stand and as we sing.